When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Brian Tetta, executive producer of The View. It's Tuesday, and I'm here with Sonny Hostin. This is Behind the Table. Hello, Sonny. How are you? Hi, Brian. It is Tuesday, but we're coming <laughs> off of a three-day weekend for us because <sighs> we taped the President's Day show a little bit early. We sure are. And yes. I heard that you had a lovely surprise. I Gabe did. came home. Tell me about it. He did. You know, he's. we have this, this app that tracks all the family members so that we can know where we are. Life 360? Yes, it's, it's Life 360. Uh-huh. And he texted me and he said, guess where I am? And I'm thinking... Oh my God! Did he did he fly to Costa Rica to surf? Because that is something that our son <laughs> would do. Um, you know, is he at a, a pool tournament? I, is he playing chess somewhere? He he has done these things, and I look on Life three hundred and sixty, and he's like an hour from our house. I'm like, Aww. oh my gosh! And so we're all like, it, it's gonna just sound strange, but like he brings a different energy into into our home. Yeah. And uh, because we all lived together during the pandemic for two years, um, we we got even closer than I would have ever even imagined because we were already close. And so he comes in. My mother runs across the driveway and he picks her up and swings her around. He's a big kid. He's yeah. like six, two. And his sister runs downstairs and jumps on top of him. And it was just really just fantastic. And he just wanted um, to recharge, you know, and he just wanted to see his family. And he, he's only been away a month at Harvard. But um, I what's great about our son is that he knows when he needs to recharge. Right. And what I also love is his recharge space is our house. So he comes home. I cook. We went to see the Bob Marley One Love movie, which is fantastic. He still thinks it's cool to hang out with his parents. That's um, great. It was just so awesome. He's leaving today, and I'm like, kind of devastated. Like, I I don't know what to do with myself. Oh, that's <laughs> sweet. That it, but it, it's great that uh, you're right. I mean, how many kids his age want to go home for a three day weekend? He just he was like, I'm coming home. That's awesome. I miss home. And he well, he also does have a lot of friends in New York. Yeah. And so they also come over. Sure, but and that's great. So I was like, I saw his friend Ellis, and I I, I just get to see his friend Nico. I, I just get to see a lot of his friends. So it's I've known all of them since they were little boys. So it's kind of cool. And he'll still go to a movie with you. That's fine. And he he went to the movies that's with great. us. <laughs> my uh, my daughter is now going to the movies with her friends, and yes. I'm kind of getting sad about that. I mean, so yes. far it's mostly movies I don't care about. Yeah. Yeah. But like if it's, you know, when the next Marvel movie comes out, oh. if, she, if she wants to go with her friends instead of me, I'm going to have a hard time with it. My daughter generally wants to go um, with her friends. Yeah. She's 17. Uh, but for Valentine's Day, I also took her to see the Bob Marley. Oh, that's uh, one awesome. Love movie. So I got both. I got to see the movie twice with my children. All right. Well, let's talk about this movie because you've been talking about it all morning. Oh, yes. You were blown away by this. I really was. And I don't know if it's because I was such a. Actually, I've never told you this. I, I'm a huge Bob Marley fan. 
And when I was in college, the Whalers were touring. Oh. And they came to my college. That's awesome. And I was called on the stage to dance. <laughs> and I lost my mind. Is there a video with my friend that Kathy. this by any chance? I do have a picture Ooh. of myself and my friend in the Bob the Whalers van, travel van. <laughs> okay? So for me, it was like a full moment. Sure. It was like a full circle moment. And and first of all... What was going on in the Whaler's van? I got to ask um, because... Yeah. I wasn't participating in the, yeah. some of the things that were going on sure. in the Whaler's van because that's not my thing. No. But th- but but it was my friend's I got to think there's a radius of being within the like about 100 yeah. feet of the Whaler's van where yeah. you're kind of... I was... Yeah. I, I couldn't stay inside the van for long, <laughs> but that's just me. No shade to anyone no. that, that can do that, but that's just not my thing. Not for you. But uh, we were there. It was it was so much fun. And the movie uh, has the sign-off of the family. So Rohan Marley, uh, you have Ziggy Marley giving, like, the intro to the movie. Stephen Marley did the music. And there are sides to Bob Marley, who I've studied, and um, that I didn't know about. And so I just thought it was so well done. And this actor, Kingsley... Mm-hmm. Um, he was in One Night in Miami, and he played Malcolm X, and he becomes Bob Marley. He is one of those actors that becomes the person he is portraying, and I just can't say enough good things about his his acting. Like I think he should win an award for it. I was looking at his uh, IMDb page because you were raving about him today, yes. and I realized I've seen him in a lot of things, too. Yes. He's in Barbie. Yes. He's in he's uh, a, Secret he, Invasion for Marvel. He's yes, in a lot a, of stuff. He's yeah. a journeyman mm-hmm. uh, actor, but I think this this. The star-making turn. This is, yes, yeah. this is it for him. All right. Well, we'll have to get him on the show. That would we, be great. Please. Yes, I'm please. on it. I'm on okay. it. Okay. All right. <laughs> for sure. Um, all right. So let's talk about some stuff that we did on the show today. We talked about this. Oh, wait. Can oh, I go ahead, say please. one more thing about the movie? Yeah. So I know all the Bob Marley songs. Yes. And so I did embarrass both of my children. Singing. My daughter said, do you know every song? I said, yes, I did. I shot the sheriff, <laughs> but I did not shoot the je- deputy. And then my son turned to me and said, can you lower the singing? Because I'm here to hear him sing. Yeah. I said, okay. Yeah. So that did happen to me. That's, that's rough. (laughs) That's rough. It's one of, you know, that's one of my favorite dad jokes I use on my kids all the time when they're singing. I say, who sings that song? (laughs) Let's keep it that way. (laughs) Let's keep it that way. What's your favorite Bob Marley song? Turn your lights down low. Ooh. Actually, no, that's my second favorite. My, my favorite is redemption song. I don't know if you hear that in my dressing room, but I, I have, I yep. open up my day to redemption. Song. Oh, I didn't know every day. It's like a ritual. It is. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I'm a three little birds guy. Oh, that's a good one. Too. Yeah. Um, all right. So we talked about the verdict in the Trump civil trial today. Mm-hmm. And a few of your fellow co-hosts thought that the 355 was a little steep for what they said was a victimless act. And it oh, could no. take the seriousness away from other cases like Jan 6. I and, completely disagree. Yeah. Tell me why. <laughs> well, as the only attorney on the panel, um, you know, there really are no victimless crimes, um, there generally is someone that has been damaged by behavior. Now, let's remember, this is not a criminal suit. Mm -hmm. It's a civil suit, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, but there's nevertheless are are victims here. Right. He overinflated his uh, worth to get tax breaks Mm -hmm. uh, that basically trickle down to the everyday person. He cheated banks which also would trickle down to the everyday person. Corporations are considered persons under the law. Mm-hmm. And so he also damaged those corp- 
those people, those corporations. And so if you really look at it in a sophisticated way, many, many people were harmed by his actions, which is why you see a, a, a sum like $350,000, which is why you see a million. sum, a million, uh, mm-hmm. thank you, which is why you see for an E. Jean Carroll civil suit, again, $83 million for defamation. You see a $5 million suit, sexual assault. Those are all civil cases with victims. I guess the question that rises from some people is, would this happen if it was Brian Tetta and not Donald Trump? Absolutely, because yeah. Brian Tetta is not saying that he's worth a billion dollars. Not to you, no. I, no. <laughs> you know, and yeah. so you, the, the law applies equally. Right. And if you inflate your your worth mm-hmm. and you receive something that you are not supposed to receive, there is a penalty so for So if this it. was Bloomberg or another famous uh, person, you not think it'd be Not even a famous person, a, a billionaire. Mm-hmm. It would be the same thing because of the same action. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's 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 quite simple. The law is black letter. That's good. It's not gray, and it's really, you know, it's just black or white. Um, the other topic we did on the show today was about IVF, and you've talked yeah. a lot about on this podcast mm-hmm. uh, the the good and the bad that you've been yeah. through with IVF, and uh, I've experienced it with people in my life too. Um, It's something that women talk openly about now, but that wasn't the case when you were going through it. It was not the case. And I felt shame when I was going through it. Um, My best friend, I used to call her Fertile Myrtle. It was almost like every time I had a failed IVF cycle or miscarriage, she would announce her pregnancy. Yeah. It was very difficult. Um, What I did find, you know, at the time uh, were sort of like Reddit threads Mm -hmm. for women that were going through it. And that was my lifeline because— I had a very difficult pregnancy with Gabriel after my second IVF cycle. We almost lost him, and I had a torn placenta, and I was on bed rest. And those women kept me afloat because I, I fell into a deep depression. Yeah. And so I can only imagine in this case where, you you know, if someone goes through the effort to go through IVF, you want the baby. Okay. Of $30,000, you're injecting yourselves with hormone, yourself with hormones. Uh, you're, you're waiting to hear back to, as to whether or not the embryo implanted. It is one of the most difficult, harrowing experiences that I have ever been through in my life. Okay. And I watched, uh, I've seen a lot of bad things. Yeah. It's the most difficult time in my life. And if someone just intentionally or not damages an embryo, what if that was that woman's last chance to have a child? Right. You know, you see that embryo as your child. And I'm I, I'm sorry people don't get it. It's not about religion. It's about humanity, mm-hmm. in my opinion. An embryo is a baby. It is it is it is your DNA. And no one has the right to take take away that chance at motherhood, mm-hmm. which is my most important gig and the gig that I enjoy the most in my life, as you know, Brian, yeah, I would no, take course. bullets for my kids. And the thought of like Paloma was one of those embryos at one time. I would not have her here if someone destroyed it. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm just I feel so passionately about it. No, of but course. I was trying to remain pretty cool because I know that my co-hosts don't mean any harm. And I know that they have very different experiences. Right. No, it's something that is deeply personal for everybody, it obviously. Is. But um, 
I know. Again, I, I have family that's gone through it, and I've been on yeah. the sidelines of it. And even that's an emotional roller it's coaster. Hard. I can't to actually go through it. I'll and, never forget yeah. the day that the, do- the doctor said to me, "You're pregnant," and I was like, "Are you sure?" Yeah. Can you even trust it? I yeah. couldn't. I couldn't even trust it. I said, "Are you sure?" Mm-hmm. And he said, "You can celebrate." Oh wow! And I said, "I'm gonna wait." Yeah. And I did not celebrate. I didn't tell anyone until three months. And then that week after I told my family, my placenta tour, oh. it was just think about that. Right. You know what I mean? I couldn't even celebrate my pregnancy after going through so many cycles of IVF. Just very difficult. And people really need to understand that while you're thinking, oh, it's just an embryo, someone else, that's their only way to have a baby. Well, I think it's important to talk about it and, and yeah. you know, even – when people disagree, I think just, again, it's shining light on conversations people need to have and yes. are having. And that's one of the and great I'm things about the show. that we're having yeah. it now. I'm thrilled that my friend, like Gabrielle Union, talks about her, her struggles with infertility. You have so many women now that have more options. You can freeze your eggs. That wasn't an option 20 years ago, um, at least not for me. And women are actually not feeling the shame that I felt. You know, um, I think women are really open about it. And there are so many things that that women are now able to do so that they can enjoy motherhood because it's a joyous thing. Even in the the time I've been at The View, which is almost nine years, I think it's become easier I, to talk about. I just I think. heard I was here eight, Brian. Yeah, I, it's like it's like I'm aging in dog years. No, the it's show. it's going very fast. <laughs> it's going very fast. The other day, uh, something came up in my memories in one of the social media sites, yes. and it was the Star Trek reunion that we oh, did, gosh. and that was a year ago. Yeah. That feels like it was a week and a half ago it's, to me. Yes, it, it's it does. just things are going it's, way too fast. Yeah, eight years. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> we'll be right back. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author, and I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. As in previous campaigns, it's the economy, stupid. We'll be looking at that this morning. First, though, it's the news, stupid. It is the economy, stupid. It's not the economy, stupid. It's national security, stupid. It's the hair, stupid. In 1992, one of the best-known pieces of presidential campaign wisdom was born. It's the economy, stupid. But was it actually the economy that won Bill Clinton that election? In a new series from the 538 Politics podcast, we're taking a look back at conventional wisdom from past elections with a critical lens. Where did that wisdom come from, and does it hold up today? Find the Campaign Throwback series in the 538 Politics feed wherever you get your podcasts. People who disappear without a trace. The most notorious murder cases in New York. Pure evil. And the most devious killers. There's a Hannibal Lecter feel to him. For chilling true crime stories, follow the True Crime NYC podcast wherever you listen. On to happier things here. We have a listener call for you. Oh. I think it's a happier thing. Let's find out. Okay. Let's take a listen. 
I'd like to hear more about when Sunny worked at Fox News. Mm. Uh, she had mentioned it one time on the show, and I hadn't realized she worked there. Mm-hmm. And I would just like to hear more about her experience there, what it was like, what she learned, and uh, how she moved on from there. Thank you. Ooh, thank you. <laughs> that is interesting. Yeah. No, that was People are always shocked that I worked at Fox because they consider me to be uh, extremely liberal and extremely to the left. And as you know, I'm I'm actually not very far to the left. Mm -hmm. I'm a little more centrist. But Fox was unlike any place I had ever worked before and unlike any place I have worked since. And that is because it felt very Mm cult-like. It was like— While you were there, too, you were aware of that. I I, Well, joining, I did not. Right. Understand that because I had come off of HLN. I had worked at CNN. Um, So, no, I didn't know. (laughs) I had a journalism degree. I thought this is going to be awesome. Right. Uh, What they were doing at that time, and and this is just my experience, is um, there was almost a mandate that would come uh, from the top about what topics would be discussed on every show. And there were whiteboards on every floor. The shows were separated often by floors and like the whiteboard, you would you could see it as you walked in to to where you were sitting. And it number one was like Obama sucks. Number two was like Obama was not born in this country. <laughs> number three was like really written on a whiteboard like that or was it written? Hidden? Not like that. But yeah, but basically these are the three right. things that we are going to talk about as a network. Right. These are the on talking every points. single show. Wow. And my job was to push back on it. So mm-hmm. I actually worked with Sean Hannity. I worked, but my, uh, I worked with Jesse Waters. I thought up a segment called Is It Legal that Fox took credit for and kept. Um, and it was, uh, I was with on Bill O'Reilly's show. It was a daily segment. It became, it was a weekly at first, then it became a daily segment for a time. And it was, uh, Megan Kelly on one side and I was mm-hmm. on the other. And what I did learn is how to lean in to being on television because I will tell you she was fine and it was great and we would talk and this and that. And that red light came on mm-hmm. and she became a completely different person, a very telegenic person, <laughs> uh, very aggressive, <laughs> assertive. Mm-hmm. And it caught me off guard only one time. I, I only need to experience that once. Um, she took up all the air time. She took up all the air in the room. And I realized what my task was because I had the minority voice, of course, for Fox News viewers. But I had a mission like I wanted them to see the other side. So that was very valuable to me and what we do today, mm-hmm. you know, um, here on The View. But it did have a very cultish culture. And I will also say that like the hair and makeup and clothing. Mm hmm. I thought was a little inappropriate. Like the shorter the skirt, the more airtime you got. And did you get pressure for that too? Yes. The more makeup you had on, Mm -hmm. the bigger the hair, the straighter the hair. We've heard that from past co-hosts that had worked at Fox News at one time or another. Sure. Yeah. Yes. That was kind Mm -hmm. of, it was really, I mean, at one point I was like, this is ridiculous. Like I'm a lawyer. 
like, why am I wearing this? Um, so, yeah. So it was, it was um, you know, I did Fox Business. I did Fox News. I, I did. Did you get along with O'Reilly? Because I was at a party with you where you ran yeah. into him yeah, last year. And yeah, you, you seemed very fine. <laughs> we when we you, did. Yeah. We got along. Um, he mm-hmm. used to call me Hostins. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's Catholic. Mm-hmm. So we definitely vibed on that. You know, we, mm-hmm. we agreed on a lot of things. Um, uh, I, I thought he didn't have the appropriate temperament. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I will say is that he turned it off when the cameras went off. Mm-hmm. So the, the O'Reilly that I knew is different from the O'Reilly that he portrays. Now, sure. I don't know if he's a different person now. Um, but it was, it was a really wild ride, and it was a, a ride at one point that I wanted to be over. Yeah, no, I understand. <laughs> I understand. Well, yeah. so it's interesting to me, like the idea of, of the talking points being from the top manufactured for everybody. It's just Absolutely. such a contrast to what we do where I don't know what we're talking about. We don't until even know what we're talking about. And we don't even at know what 8.30 each- in the morning. And, and yeah. we don't know what each other is going to say. No. I don't know how these conversations are going to go. Right. There, yeah, you, you kind of did. And I was actually considered unpredictable, mm-hmm. which, which, as you know, I am. Sure, sure. Yeah. No, yeah, it, it's I funny. I was a wild card. It's funny because there's always the, you know, the agenda of the view or the agenda of yeah. stuff. And I always laugh at that because the agenda of the view is what's on the minds of the co-host every <laughs> given day. Basically. And it's rarely the same from one co-host to the other. So it's, uh, nope. yeah, it's a, it's it, <laughs> the way we uh, make the sausage is interesting. In the yes, morning. it is. Yes, it is. We battle that out sometimes. <laughs> we absolutely do. We absolutely do. All right. Well, we have uh, a listener text for you as well. Oh, oh okay. And uh, thank you for that question. That was great. Um, this text is from Mark mm-hmm. and he asks, I heard you were the jealous type with Manny and women that you don't know. I was wondering, does he get jealous of your love of Idris Elba? Oh, he doesn't like it. Mm -hmm. Manny and I are two sides of the same coin. Oh, really? See, he he really are. He just plays plays it it much cooler than you. He's just he's just not open about it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember during my 50th birthday show. Yes. When we had the 50 years of hip hop, Mm -hmm. Dougie Fresh came up to me and in my husband's view danced a little too close to me. No. Oh. I only looked into the audience mm-hmm. and took one look at his face and you can watch this now <laughs> and scoot it over so quickly I didn't even think I had it in me to move that quickly. Wow. All right. I'll and do... we got into the yeah. car mm-hmm. and he said what the bleep was that? Wow. Dougie got fresh. Dougie got too fresh for Manny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't like it. Wow. All he's, right. He's he you you could say mm-hmm. that he is worse than I am. Wow. All right. Yeah. We don't like that stuff. No, I, I appreciate that. I, appreciate <laughs> that. I have to say, um, we were talking today. We had uh, Alan Richardson on today. and um, He may be my new hall pass. I, I was, before he walked out, I was backstage with him and such a nice guy. Really so warm. Nice. He's very faith-based yes. also. And I came back, I, like I came that. out to the table and I said, I think you're going to have a new favorite. I, there's just a yeah. vibe about him that felt very Sonny's going to like this guy. Yeah, I yeah. I, I like tall. Mm-hmm. I like very handsome, mm-hmm. and I like faith based. Yes. and I like family men. And he was charming and a good talker, and yeah, yeah, good teeth. Yeah, no, I, like I teeth uh, too. I, I'm a fan. I like them too, um, <laughs> in a different way, perhaps. He the good. Our, yeah. our listeners can't see it, but the the control room of women are all. Yeah. Nodding their heads about this guy. They were vibing over Reacher. Yeah. Um, Reacher is the man. Yeah. Yeah. He anyway. can buy me a drink any day. Yeah. I like them. Don't um, tell Manny that. I won't. Don't tell Manny Let's hope that. he doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> uh, all right. You're going to be on Impact. Yeah. It's Nightline's Impact. 
and um, that is airing on Thursday. Um, yeah. You sat down with Juju Chang to discuss Scott Peterson. And uh, it's going to stream on Hulu starting this Thursday, which yeah, is pretty good. I'm really excited about it. You know, I used to be the network's legal correspondent. Mm-hmm. And um, The View takes a lot of time. It does. And We need you. Uh, so when my friend Juju Chang called me up and said, you know, we need your voice. And I know that no one can do it the way you can. I said, yes. And I moved around my schedule. And um, I think people will really enjoy this look at the Scott Peterson case because he's uh, the Innocence Project is now involved and he may get a new trial. And my dear friend Mark Garagos thinks that he's not guilty. We're going to have to talk about this on the show a little bit, too. Yeah, I actually actually called Mark during the filming Mm -hmm. and berated him. Oh, that's always fun. (laughs) Uh, All right. So Impact by Nightline, it's going to start airing on uh, Hulu this Thursday. Yeah. Excited for that. And uh, thank you for joining me, Sonny. This you was bet. fun. You bet. Tomorrow, I'll be back with Alyssa. The number to call or text us with questions is right here in this episode description. Thank you for listening and have a great day. As in previous campaigns, it's the economy, stupid. We'll be looking at that this morning. First, though, it's the news, stupid. It is the economy, stupid. It's not the economy, stupid. It's national security, stupid. It's the hair, stupid. In 1992, one of the best-known pieces of presidential campaign wisdom was born. It's the economy, stupid. But was it actually the economy that won Bill Clinton that election? In a new series from the 538 Politics podcast, we're taking a look back at conventional wisdom from past elections with a critical lens. Where did that wisdom come from, and does it hold up today? Find the Campaign Throwback series in the 538 Politics feed wherever you get your podcasts.